So I'm sure most of you have probably heard about Stephen Twitch boss dying by suicide this week. You know, I think it's helpful to think about it like a brain disease that, yes, he died by suicide, but really he died by a brain disease. And if he had brain cancer, for example, people would say, oh, wow, that's so sad he died from brain cancer. And I think it's similar. I really do. I'm Lindsay. I'm here to teach you proven strategies to be your own therapist that will take you from anxious to relieved. I'm here to help you feel lighter and hopeful while building a life full of meaning. I'm a licensed anxiety therapist running a successful private practice in New York City. So from someone that gives therapy and has been in therapy, I'm here to help you use the formula that moved me forward through serious anxiety in my own life. So follow along as I share what works and what doesn't. This is Unlock Your Therapy. Hello and welcome to session number 25 of the Unlock Your Therapy podcast. I'm Lindsay, your host. Hi, everyone. I'm sitting at my dining room table, which is my office when it is very cold because my little home office room doesn't have the best heat. It's very sporadic. And today is freezing. So I'm in my dining room. (laughs) I hope everyone's having a good week. I have a great episode for you today. We're going to get into highs and lows, and I'm going to share some of how I've been feeling lately a bit down and what I've been doing to manage that, which I think can be helpful to share with others and normalize these feelings. So hopefully that is helpful. Then we're going to get into anxiety, where I spill the tea on a hot topic. I talk about something going on in mental health, in the media, with celebrities. So I'm sure most of you have probably heard about Stephen Twitch boss dying by suicide this week. So I wanted to talk about that and I wanted to share some research and different things related to that topic. So we're going to get into that and I think it can be really useful to talk about suicide, what the research shows and not to shy away from that topic and it could be a good learning opportunity for a lot of people to just discuss it and feel less alone with that topic, as well as, you know, mourning the loss of Twitch, who is such a light in the world from what outsiders could see. That will be anxiety. And then in skill of the week, I'm going to share more tips about holiday stress and really winter seasonal depression stress, because that's what I'm going through, just a down mood. And I believe it's from seasonal affects disorder, but not even a disorder, just that many people struggle when the seasons change with a lower mood. And I'm definitely feeling that. So the skies, as I'm speaking, are dark gray outside. I think it's going to rain this afternoon for like the rest of the day. And yeah, it just doesn't bring a lot of energy to you. So I want to share about that because personally, I find it a useful topic and I want to share with others that might find it useful as well. Then action item of the week, we're going to just have a takeaway from our topic and hope everyone can implement it this week to help themselves feel a little lighter. 
So let's get into it. High and low. My high is just the holiday season and planning the holidays a little bit. I'm not doing anything too extravagant, but I do need to finish up some Christmas shopping, wrap up presents, and just prepare for next week when the kids are home and for Christmas. And usually I'm a last minute person, so I'm trying not to be, so I don't feel rushed and I can just enjoy, you know, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and the day before Christmas Eve they're off and I just want to do fun things with them and not have to worry about, you know, wrapping up their presents or finalizing some gifts for people. So I'm trying to prepare to do all those things and I'm really enjoying holidays with the kids. I got to go to Carson and Everett's school to do like gingerbread house making and That was just so fun. It's fun to see Carson enjoying everything. It's Spirit Week. And as much as I complain about Spirit Week, because I don't always happen to own all of the things that they need for Spirit Week, and I'm on a budget with Christmas and, you know, to spend $20 on an ugly holiday sweater that Carson's going to grow out of and is only obviously seasonal (laughs) is not ideal. Carson's really enjoying it. So, I've been pulling together things for him all week. Tomorrow's pajama day, which is a good easy one. I appreciate pajama day. (laughs) And yeah, I just really like seeing Carson love it. I know I mentioned that on the last episode or two, but that's been my high. Just embracing the holidays. I'm hoping for some snow. I'm just trying to lean into the season and enjoy the positives of it. My low has just been my mood has been really down just the last like two or three days. I don't know why. Maybe it's hormonal or maybe it's just the lack of light. So what I've been doing is I've been trying to be really proactive about it because I can feel it. Like it feels like a big dip in my mood. And I've been getting okay sleep. The kids have been waking me up a little bit like at five or six. Everett wakes up sometimes to eat. And then I have a hard time falling back asleep after that. And my mind's just been racing about things to do, things I need to get done. I don't know why. I've been more anxious with just like feeling tense and just thinking of everything I need to do. And yeah, I just feel a a shift in that. And then recently my mood just the last two or three days has been much lower. So what I've been doing to be more proactive, I'm going to talk about in skill of the week. So I don't want to ruin skill of the week by telling you what I've been doing to try to get ahead of it and to not even get ahead of it, but to help it from dipping any lower and maybe to shorten the length of this kind of episode of low mood that I'm having. But I've had this before and I think leaning into it can also be helpful at sitting with your emotions, allowing yourself to feel sad allowing yourself to just cry randomly for no particular reason and just letting it be. And I think that's important to not have to rush through it and avoid it and not feel it. I remember there was a time I was on vacation in Hawaii and I was feeling really just like depressed that week. Just for like a week or two, I had really low mood. I was feeling depressed. I would cry randomly for no reason. And there was nothing I was depressed about, just that sometimes depression and that low mood just kind of washes over you and it hopefully just stays a little while and it could be a shift in something happening. But I remember years ago, I was sitting on a beach in Hawaii by myself because I was traveling from an event and I was had my own car and I was stopped at a beach 
and just enjoyed the beach for the day. But I was feeling sad. Like my mood was just sad and low. And I remember just starting crying. Like, and I just sat on the beach in Hawaii and cried. And it was like a beautiful vacation beach. There was tourists everywhere. And here I was sitting on a beach in Hawaii crying. But I just let myself feel it. And then I, you know, I would feel okay. Like I was just trying to accept it. Like, okay, I feel like this really low mood. I feel like I randomly need to cry for some reason. I'm just going to let that happen. I'm going to accept this. And really in my life, acceptance and commitment therapy, and really that's what that is, of just sitting with your emotion, just getting in touch with it, letting it happen. And then moving forward, I'm not saying wallow in that, but be with it and just let it be. Don't judge it. Don't try to get rid of it. And then when you're ready, move forward with the day mindfully. So I still enjoyed my day. I went swimming in the ocean. It was a beautiful day. I sat in the sun. I tried to let the sun in my eyes. I loved it. I remember that vacation fondly. I don't remember that vacation as like, oh yeah, that's the vacation when I was depressed. (laughs) No, I enjoyed it too. And you can have both. It doesn't have to be either or. So just a reminder, if you're having a hard time, even though it's the holidays or whatever, people are going through hard times too. And you can still have things in your life that are meaningful and valuable and that brings some joy to your life and to sit with those emotions and just let them be there. And hopefully they'll make their way out of you, (laughs) but not trying to get rid of it. Just like, okay, it's here. That's okay. These are things I can do to help myself feel a little more okay today. And I'm just going to let myself feel sad or down and hope it moves along eventually and not avoiding how we're feeling and not trying to sugarcoat it or say we're all okay. And I appreciate Dan for that. Dan always is totally comfortable with emotions and letting me share and asking how I am and really great at that, which I really appreciate in a partner. So shout out to Dan for helping me through my low this week. Next up is anxiety, where I spill the tea on a hot topic. As I mentioned, sadly, Stephen Twitch boss died this week, suicide. And you know, I'm on Instagram and I do see a lot of people sharing and or comments on articles that are, you know, like, oh, is, what about his family or he had so many resources. But, you know, I think it's helpful to think about it like a brain disease that, yes, he died by suicide, but really he died by a brain disease. And if he had brain cancer, for example, people would say, oh, wow, that's so sad he died from brain cancer. And I think it's similar. I really do. I think it's similar in that depression to the point of feeling suicidal, it's different than regular depression and it affects the brain differently. It really deteriorates the functioning of the brain, physically makes the brain not work correctly and affects decision-making, emotion regulation, problem-solving All of that is really offline and not accessible to that person. So it's literally not firing correctly, the neurons of the brain. It's not working correctly. And that's because of what's going on for them. Likely depression is going on in the brain and it's causing all of these things to not 
fire correctly, like a true mechanical issue of the brain. So I find it helpful to think of it that way. And I just wanted to share, you know, I think people are really encouraging everyone to check in with others and loved ones and people who are quiet or people who seem happy. And, you know, and I think that's because when there's a public suicide, it can trigger other people to think that that's a solution. So I think that's why there's such an emphasis on sharing the suicide prevention hotline and the crisis hotline, which is the same. The mental health crisis hotline is the same as the suicide prevention hotline. It's 988, by the way. Texting, you could text it or call it. You could also go on their website and chat with somebody. So I think that's why there's a push to share all of that because we want to share with people that yes, depression affects the brain. It makes these parts of the brain not accessible for problem solving, but there is a solution to the pain. And often I think it's like 90% of people that attempted suicide are able to re-engage in life in a meaningful way after in a suicide attempt. So that's very positive message for people who are feeling suicidal or who have suicidal thoughts or are deeply struggling with wanting to end the pain and not able to think of the solutions and that there is hope. They really don't feel that way and they feel like a burden. So I think just sharing with friends and even just even if you don't know if anyone's struggling, but just always having that message if the topic comes up, because you never know who is struggling. And I think it's just positive to always share that there's solutions, there's access to things, there's anonymous access to resources, and the pain can be held by other people and the hope can be held by others until you're ready to feel hope yourself. So... I think it's an important topic. And also, if you have friends or family or anybody that might be struggling with this, people are often afraid to talk about suicide, but you won't put the idea in someone's head. If they have the thoughts about suicide, they're probably relieved that someone's bringing it up and they can talk about it with somebody because it's what's on their mind. They're already thinking about that. So it could help break the ice and feel like they can talk about it without the stigma or scaring somebody and not to react to that topic. If someone were to say, oh, I'm having suicidal thoughts, not to freak out, but to be very calm, like, oh, okay, thank you for sharing that with me. And something that's helpful is, you could, could you tell me more about that? Trying to assess if there's a plan. Do they have access to weapons? Do they have weapons in their house? Do they have means in their house that would make it easy to act on? So we just want to make it a little less easy to act on it if they're having those thoughts. So for example, I used to work with mental health crises for kids and teens and anyone high risk. We would get them a lockbox for all the medications in the house and we would lock up anything that really seemed a hazard. And if there was a teen in the house that would resort to cutting their skin because of emotional dysregulation, we would lock up the knives in a lockbox as well. And what that does is even if they find the key somehow, I mean, it puts more time between their feelings, the impulse, and trying to access those means, whether that's medications or a knife or God forbid, a gun in the house. You just want to have everything locked up and try to have the keys on you so that when you leave the house as an adult, they're not in the house. 
with that person who's not doing so well mentally. So that's all very important. And it really does help decrease the number of suicides substantially by restricting access. So it can seem like, oh, someone who wants to do it's going to do it. You know, that's not exactly true. If there's things in place that will help put some more time and thinking between the impulse and the action. So I wanted to share some research points with you all. The American Foundation for Suicide Prevention is a wonderful organization. I used to be on the board of their Westchester chapter as a volunteer, and they are wonderful. So they spend a lot of money on research. And I'm going to read to you the top 10 things they learned from research. Number one, suicide is related to brain functions that affect decision-making and behavioral control, making it difficult for people to find positive solutions. So this is what I'm talking about. It, it literally impacts those decision-making and behavioral control functions in the brain. Like it makes them not work. So their brain is not operating like a normal person's brain. Number two. Limiting a person's access to methods of killing themselves dramatically decreases suicide rates in communities. Number three, 90% of people who die by suicide have an underlying and potentially treatable mental health condition. I would say 100%. I think someone who dies by suicide obviously has a mental health condition because their brain is not functioning correctly. But their research says 90%. I'm not correcting their research. I didn't do the research, but I'm just saying. Just common sense, I would gather that would be 100%. Number four, depression, bipolar disorder, and substance use are strongly linked to suicidal thinking and behavior. You know, substance use inhibits behavior. So someone may not act on something when they're sober and thinking a little more clear, but if they're depressed, suicidal, and then you add substances on top of it, that can certainly add to someone's impulse and lack of control, lack of behavioral control, lack of inhibition, and they may act on that much more. Number five, specific treatments used by mental health professionals, such as cognitive behavior therapy, SP, I think that's for suicide prevention, and dialectical behavior therapy, which I love, have been proven to help people manage their suicidal ideation and behavior. Yes, absolutely. Anyone who tells me they're suicidal and has suicidal thoughts, I tell them, that's okay. We can work on that because they need the message of, I'm not afraid of that. You can tell me that. You can talk to me about that. Don't hold back those thoughts. I'm not afraid. It's not going to scare me. Let's work on that. You have someone here in your corner that's going to help you work on that. And let's talk through this. And let's make a plan week by week if we have to for your safety. That's okay. And that's the kind of message they need from a therapist. No one takes their life for a single reason. I mean, this is a strong statement from their research they gathered. And again, they spent thousands and tens of thousands on research. Life stresses combined with known risk factors such as childhood trauma, substance use, and even chronic physical pain can contribute to someone taking their life. So really a combination of things. When they say, why did someone kill themselves? Why did they do that? It's not one thing. And their research says it in absolute terms. No one takes their life for a single reason. I thought that was interesting. Seven, asking someone directly if they're thinking about suicide won't put the idea in their head. Most will be relieved someone is starting the conversation. Absolutely. 
Number eight, certain medications used to treat depression or stabilize mood have been proven to help people reduce suicidal thoughts and behavior. Yes. There's that black box warning, which always says, can increase suicidal ideation. Or, you know, there was like one study a long time ago that had some possible links and they really went crazy with that. And that's unfortunate because I think it scares people from using antidepressant medication when really it can help to decrease suicidal ideation. And their research shows that. Reduce suicidal thoughts and behavior. And for depression, I mean, I'm not a strong proponent of medication for anxiety, for high-functioning anxiety. If we can learn coping skills and things, it's, it's not severe. For severe anxiety, I am a proponent of medication to help bring it down to a level of getting useful treatment, being able to implement things that help you feel better. But for depression, I'm usually a proponent of medication because depression is more of a brain functioning issue. And it's not usually because of some outside force. If it's from an outside force, like, oh, I'm depressed. My job sucks. It's causing me to be depressed. Like maybe, but usually people who are depressed have a lot going on in their brain that's causing them to be depressed. And it's not really from a life circumstance issue that's within their control. And medication can be very helpful because depression affects your life so negatively where it prevents you from doing things that will help you feel better. So it's quite a downward spiral with depression. You can get better without medication, but it depends on the type of depression you have, your circumstances. And I think medication for depression is usually very helpful. So I wouldn't shy away from that topic. And usually primary care doctors are even willing to prescribe that and discuss that. Although I would recommend seeing a psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner for psychiatric medications because they just know a lot more about them than your primary care doctor does. And they'll know what regular side effects are. They're getting training continuously on these medications. They're really more up to date than your primary care doctor is. And they understand how it all works much more in depth than your primary care doctor. So don't be afraid to get a psychiatrist or someone. And I've had clients see a psychiatrist, even who aren't on medication, but they kind of regularly every few months check in with their psychiatrist, even if they're off a of medication, just to check in and discuss things and just to have someone there in case things get worse and they do need medication again. And to bounce it off of a doctor to see, what do you think? You know, this is what's going on for me. Do you think therapy's working for me only? Or do you think I should add in the medication again? Because when you're not thinking clearly, it can be really helpful to have an outside person just be like, well, you know what? It sounds like your mood's getting a little low again. And why don't we just put you on the low dose of this to get you through this hard season? And then in the spring, we'll take you off and see how you do again. It can just really be helpful. Number nine, if someone can get through the intense and short moment of active suicidal crisis, chances are they will not die by suicide. And this is where safety plans come in. So if you have a family member or a friend that you know has suicidal thoughts, I would talk to them about a safety plan. Like, hey, can you and I make a safety plan together? When you're experiencing these thoughts, what is helpful for you? What can you actually do? If you can't do anything but just like press call on my number or send a text to someone's number or call your doctor or call this person to just let them know you're having these thoughts. Are you willing to do that during that time of crisis? Do you think that's something you are going to actually do? And coming up with things that they'll actually do. 
right? So if they'll say, no, I'm not going to call my therapist and tell them that. I'm not comfortable with her like that. Okay, that's fine. Could you call one of your family members? Like, who are you most comfortable with talking about that topic? Who would you be comfortable talking about that with? And have them come up with somebody or have them come up with a plan. Oh, I'll leave my house if I have that kind of urge. I'll go for a walk outside or I'll get in my car and drive away from my house or somewhere where they're more safe. I'll go to a public place and walk around the mall. Just things that put them in a place with other people and that they're not isolated and alone and that they don't have means of harming themselves. And hopefully that they contact somebody else to get them through that moment of crisis. Number 10, most people who survive a suicide attempt, 85 to 95% go on to engage in life. So I guess that means they go on to be functioning in their lives and having meaning and value in their life again. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes to this on their website, on the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention website. And this is all rooted in research, proven medical research that they've done. So I hope it is helpful. I created something brand new, the No More People Pleasing mini course. I help women to stop people pleasing and put themselves first without the guilt. What would life look like if you could stop asking your partner to order food for you in a restaurant or ask your boss for that raise you're long overdue for? I'm gonna teach you four proven strategies, research proven strategies that's gonna bring you from people-pleasing and passive to empowered and confident. You're gonna use my outline, my scripts, my beautifully designed PDFs to get the exact skills you need to become more assertive in your life. I'm gonna teach you four skills through my videos and worksheets that's gonna bring you to a place of confidence and being assertive in your life. You're gonna get my beautifully designed self-esteem daily journal to print out, my practice assignments to start changing your mindset and your behaviors. If you sign up now before I launch, you can get it for $29. That's the lowest it will ever be. And I'm giving everyone who signs up now a bonus gift. So go to at Unlock Your Therapy on Instagram, click the link in my bio to get on the list. Okay, let's get into skill of the week, which is about making room for difficult emotions, sitting with them like we talked about, and reducing some holiday stress. So, okay, so since I shared I've been feeling lower this week and my mood's just been a little like blah, I've been making an effort to drink more water. I've been taking a lot more vitamins. I've just been kind of raiding our vitamin drawer of like what might help me like boost my body up a little bit vitamin C, uh, vitamin B, D, uh, flaxseed oil, like whatever I have in there. I've just been taking a lot of vitamins to help like boost me up. I've been trying to eat more nutritious, uh, nutrient-dense foods. So a few weeks ago, I was snacking more on just like things that were not (laughs) nutrient-dense. And this week, because I'm feeling lower too, and I'm just trying to get back into my health trying to be conscious of what I'm putting in my body. And especially with a lower mood, nutrition plays a big role in how we feel. And so I've been eating more vegetables and more fruits and fresh produce, drinking water. Last night I was going, I enjoy like craft beer once in a while. And last night I was very stressed with the bedtime routine and putting the kids to bed and 
trying to clean the kitchen and clean out their lunch boxes and wash baby bottles. Um, you know, it's a lot with two kids. Most of the time it's fine, but sometimes it builds up. And with my lower mood, I've just been more irritable. And I was just really stressed out during bedtime routine last night and dinner time. And instead of having a beer, because I was like, well, you know, alcohol, if I'm just having that low mood this week, it's not going to help my mood feel better because it can deplete your serotonin for the following day. So I made, um, I have like a stress relief tea. I made a giant cup with two tea bags. It definitely called for two tea bags, honey. And I drank that just to like soothe myself, give myself something to relax. I let myself cry. And I also um, had Dan take over and I went outside and I took out the garbage and the recycling. And it just let me have a minute to get like be in the cold, cold air because cold air helps regulate your nervous system as well. And that's why if you're feeling anxious or whatever, sometimes we get flustered, we feel really hot. Or if, we, if we're hot somewhere, it makes our anxiety worse or it makes our stress worse. And going out into the cold air helps regulate yourself. So it's a really helpful tool. So I took the dog outside, took out all the trash, the garbage. I just spent a minute out in the yard with the dog and I just breathed in the cold air, took some deep breaths. And I felt much better coming back inside. Like it just gave me a big break from like the yelling and the screaming and the kids and all the chores and just to be out in the cold air. So that can be very helpful. I've been doing cardio to help. That does help with endorphins and possibly can increase serotonin. So I've been doing my, I have a spin bike in my basement. I've been doing that. And that's been helpful because the spin bike allows me to also be on my phone. So I can either relax on my phone and look up things I want to look up and I don't know, go on Pinterest or YouTube or Instagram, or I can do work things on my phone. So I can feel like I'm working and getting in my exercise to try to help improve my mood. So yesterday I had to read a book for work. So I was on the spin bike reading the book. So it was great. I felt like I was getting both done and I did feel better. Like I also felt like I was doing something for my health, doing something for my mental health, trying to improve my mood. And it wasn't a cure-all. Obviously, I was crying last night in the kitchen, (laughs) washing dishes for seemingly no reason. But it, I think it doesn't hurt, right? (laughs) So I'm still trying to do all the things to help elevate my mood. Even if they're not a cure-all, they're not a magic bullet, I'm still doing what I can to help myself. So those are things I've been doing just to try to help everything. And I'm trying to begin getting out of the house more because I work from home. It is very isolating and I feel like I don't get to talk to like humans (laughs) very much. So I do make an effort to like go run an errand, go to the store. It just helps me get outside. It gets light in my eyes from like driving, being outside a little bit and doing something outside of my house. I don't feel like I've just been in my house all day long because that's not healthy either. So like today, I think I'll probably take the dog on a walk outside around the neighborhood before it rains just to feel like I got outside, I breathed fresh air, moved my body, wasn't in my house all day going crazy. So those are the things that I've been doing personally. But also I have a list here for what helps with stress during the holidays or the winter time. I think these work for both. Just if you're also feeling a low mood from the winter and the lack of sunlight. And you know, I just want to also mention, just to validate myself and others that are feeling this way, it's almost the darkest day of the year. December 21st 
it, the winter solstice is the darkest day of the year with the least sunlight of the entire year. So if there's one time you're going to have lower mood, it's in December for sure. <laughs> January is no picnic either because it's one of the colder months, one of the coldest. I think January or February are the coldest months. I forget which one's which. And it's also still pretty dark in January. But starting on December 21st, it gets one to two minutes lighter out every day until June 21st, the summer solstice. So if I make it to December 21st, I always feel more hopeful. Like, okay, now it's getting a minute or two lighter. And I was laughing because I was talking to my sister-in-law yesterday and she reminded me of that. Like, oh, December 21st is starting to get lighter again. And she too hates the darkness. So I was laughing. I was like, yes, thank you. That's exactly how I think and how I need to remind myself. So it's no surprise that today is a week before the darkest day of the year. So it's the darkest week of the year right now. So anyway, if you're struggling and you live in the Northeast, I feel you. So on this little list I have here for how to get through holiday stress, winter stress, acknowledge your feelings. So this is what I was mentioning before about when I was feeling depressed in Hawaii and just acknowledge my feelings. And now too, when I'm feeling low this week, I'm just trying to acknowledge how I feel and it's okay. I'm not trying to say I don't feel this way. So if you're in a tough season and if someone died recently during the holidays or you're remembering someone that passed, the holidays are a hard time for that. And just acknowledging how you feel and setting aside time to just sit with those feelings and be with them and give them space and give them time can be helpful and to normalize it. You can't force yourself to be happy just because it's like holiday time and you should, quote unquote. Reach out to others. So seek out community, seek out social events, seek out online support groups, websites, social media sites, follow different people on social media that might have a positive message, listen to podcasts with a positive message to just help feed your positive energy and to help you through a difficult time can be helpful. Talk to family members or friends, text people, video chat, volunteer doing something to help others, drop off a meal for somebody. Be realistic. Holidays don't have to be perfect. As families change and grow, things change also. I think that's such a great message. Absolutely. And you can meet up with people virtually. If you don't have the energy or time to like go somewhere in person, it's okay to say, you know what, I really can't make it. Can we do a FaceTime call? Like I just have too much going on to actually like physically come there and come back home. And that's okay too. Set aside differences if you can. So it's a good time to connect with other people and try to focus on relationships, quality time together, if you can. I'm also all about healthy boundaries and not engaging in unhealthy relationships. So there's like two ways to that treat. <laughs> Stick to a budget. Decide how much money you can afford. You don't need financial stress during the holiday time just because it's the holiday time. You could do things that are simple that don't cost a lot of money. One year I got pretzels, just like a bag of pretzels from the grocery store. And I bought chocolate, like baking chocolate or semi-sweet chocolate. I don't know, some kind of chocolate <laughs> and, or milk chocolate, I think. And I melted it. I did milk chocolate and white chocolate and I drizzled the pretzels with the two different chocolates and they looked so pretty. I think I coated them in the milk chocolate and then I drizzled the white chocolate over them. And I just used like a cookie sheet with parchment paper to lay out. They looked gorgeous. I put them in a holiday tin from Dollar Tree and 
it was extremely affordable just for a few dollars. It was a nice little present, just like a token of my appreciation to some people I needed a little gift for, but not like a major gift for him. And with Carson's teachers and Everett's teachers, they have a lot of teachers because they're in a daycare slash 3K. So they have like the two main classroom teachers for each kid. Then there's a few different like helpers and aides that come in and out that know them pretty well. Then there's the front desk girl that I like a lot that helps. And then Carson has two after school teachers. So that's a lot of people. It's like eight people at least for their school. So what I did is I got cute little gift bags from the Christmas tree shop and I'm going to get boxes of tea, like stress relief tea or sleepy time tea, just really nice like yogi teas. And I'm going to put a box of tea in each bag. I got really cute little mini cutting boards. You can use them as like a little cheese board or a mini cutting board. They're adorable. I got that for each bag. I got cute little tiny boxes of Belgian chocolates from Costco. I'm going to put one of those in the bags um, and I need a few other little things to put in there. But I'm just putting small little things in those bags to keep it affordable and it's still a nice thoughtful gift. I can't really give everyone like a $25 gift card, but I can keep it in my budget by doing something smaller, but they're still going to appreciate my effort. Plan ahead. Okay, so plan specific days for your shopping, gift wrapping, events. Plan out your menu or order food in advance if you can. Do things to take things off your plate. Delegate. I'm all about delegating. Learn to say no to things you can't commit to. Don't overbook yourself because you're going to be stressed later. So think of your future self and if you're going to feel up for doing that. It's easy to say yes in the moment when you're not in the moment, but your future self is going to have to pay for the check you're writing right now by saying yes to something. Don't abandon healthy habits. So this is what I'm trying to do is eat healthy meals, try to get plenty of sleep, include regular physical activity in your daily routine, try deep breathing exercises, yoga. I've been doing yoga a little bit. I do yoga with Adrian on YouTube. She's great. She has like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. She has yoga for everything. Yoga for sleep, yoga for back problems, yoga for anxiety. She has it all and it's free on YouTube. She's awesome. Avoid excessive alcohol, drug, tobacco use. Yes. Oh, adjust the amount of media you take in. And this is something I wanted to mention before too. Because we are so much more exposed to other people, like Instagram, TikTok, social media, it makes us feel worse because other people's problems and tragedies we're now thinking about and having to absorb and have feelings about. So for example, Twitch dying, right? Because we know of him from TV and things like that. Well, I heard on Instagram that he died and I was reading things on Instagram and articles. And But before, before social media and the internet, we didn't have access to all that. So it would just be whatever TV reported or the news reported on TV or the radio. And they didn't cover more minor people. It would just be like really big celebrities. They would report if something happened or if they died. So now we hear about so many more things and we're exposed to more people. So I follow a bunch of influencers on Instagram. And if something happens tragically in one of their lives, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened to so-and-so. Like, I don't know her, but because something tragic happened, it makes me feel sad or worried or upset for them because you just feel for other people, even if like you don't really know them. So anyway, we're just exposed to so much more that affects our emotions than we ever were before. 
So just remembering that as well and, um, you know, taking some space when needed. Seek professional help if you need it. We talked about that. Take a walk at night and stargaze. I thought that was nice. For us, we take the walks and look at the Christmas lights, which is nice. Or bundle up. Listen to a soothing song. Read a book. Reading a book is so nice and soothing. Very mindful activity where you can't think about much else except reading. So I hope some of this was helpful. I know maybe it wasn't the most upbeat episode. (laughs) Sorry. But I think it's helpful. And for action item of the week, it's really just to take care of yourself and pick something to help reduce your stress or improve your own mood from what I talked about, what fits for you. You know, always on this podcast, take away what you like and leave the rest. I give a lot of tips and suggestions and they don't work for everybody. So don't worry about it if certain ones don't work for you or you don't like certain ones. It's never meant to make you feel like you should do anything else. Absolutely not. We don't need any more shoulds in our lives. But just if there's something helpful. And that's it for me. I will talk to you all next week. 